Riddle me this, internet. What is better than a movie about a superhero? How about a movie which brings together a bunch of superheroes, possibly to fight side by side? Seeing all your favorites band together against odds to kick 10 bells out of a bad guy, it's just so deliciously exhilarating. But there is a problem with building a team. Once it's built and they're together, why would they ever truly be apart? Hello, hello, my name's Tommy, and I am delighted to welcome you to Podcast Assemble. Today we're talking about times that the Avengers didn't assemble, and probably should have. If you're new here, why not smash the like, share, and subscribe button? It helps us out a lot. Now, like you, I understand narrative escalation. And that for a superhero team up to truly have impact, it needs to be the sum of its parts. Having seen each individual hero's arc as they endeavor through their own unique transformations to learn humility or the power of friendship or yada yada tropes and so forth, it is something of a necessary evil. Just ask the Justice League. Oh shit. However, at the end of the day, they still have cell phones, right? Right? I understood that reference. If you're getting into a spot of bother, calling up your mate and having them come over and help out doesn't sound like a terrible idea at all, does it? Well, why not pick up that phone? So let's talk. Here are an arbitrary number of times in the MCU that the Avengers didn't assemble and probably should have. And before we start, let's lay a couple of ground rules. Number one, anything from phase one is totally out, as the Avengers hadn't assembled yet. There was an idea. Bill Coulson didn't die for the stupid internet list to devalue his sacrifice, goddammit! Number two, what is an Avengers level threat? Seeing as the MCU for the most part focuses on Earthbound threats, and it is the Earth's mightiest heroes after all, let's keep it to threats directly on Earth. Sorry Guardians, you're not in this one. I mean, I don't see Scott Lang building a rocket anytime soon. And finally number three, anything between Avengers Infinity War and Endgame's out as most of them were dust anyway. Black Widow was divisive. Coming out during the pandemic, the movie was released to an audience which had been starved of blockbuster movies for literal years. However, it had a bunch of little issues, some of which still plague the MCU even today. Black Widow bowing out in Endgame was so poignant and held such high implications for the Marvel Cinematic Universe it almost didn't make sense to bring Natasha Romanoff back for her long overdue prequel. The movie almost felt like a Lifetime Achievement Award for being the best supporting character. Oh, and money. Yeah, money, that's it. Money's why they did it. Picking up after the events of Captain America's Civil War, Black Widow reunites Natasha with her estranged family from her hidden shady past as a Russian spy. Well, it's not really that hidden, is it? And all the while, introducing a bunch of characters who'll helpfully fill her role moving forward. Together, they confront the underwhelming Taskmaster and the ultimate villain of the piece, Drakov, in a wet fart of a picture. To be honest, I wasn't sure what was worse. Drakov's plan or Ray Winston's accent? So what do we do now? But why did it have to just be Nat and her family? Family, family, family. Other than the obvious to introduce some new characters for post-Endgame, at this point in the timeline in the MCU, most of the heroes were still alive and kicking. Sure, they were all on the run from the government. That didn't seem to stop them, did it? Dracov's plan in the Black Widow movie is to use the fabled Red Room program to brainwash young girls into becoming assassins, 
controlling them using a chemical agent called the antidote, and ultimately using them to carry out his plans for global domination. Now, I'm not sure about you, but a league of deadly assassins, a flying evil lair, and a plan for global domination kind of sounds like an Avengers-level threat to me, even if it doesn't involve a big purple alien or a murderous AI. Shifting gears a little here, Spider-Man No Way Home was in itself a huge team-up. It delivered some of the best fan service alongside a watertight plot. Okay, the fan service was epic, and it was altogether an enjoyable romp. The movie brought back both Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire's versions of the webhead to fight alongside Tom Holland and Benedict Cumbersnatch's Doctor Strange. It was a real spectacle. Having seen his true identity exposed to the world by Mysterio and Far From Home, Peter Parker seeks out the help of Doctor Strange to cast the spell that will make everyone forget he's Spider-Man. However, when the spell goes wrong and causes the multiverse to open up, Pete has all sorts of shenanigans to deal with, including villains from other Spider-Man universes. Former favourites such as Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin and Alfred Molina's Doc Op are thrust into Peter's way. Who has to decide between what is good and what is easy? With great power comes great responsibility. Still relevant cliches aside, the movie is an action romp and a ton of fun. Post-Endgame, most of the Avengers are scattered or on holiday in Hawaii or something, and with the action happening over a small span of time, the official reason seems to be that there just wasn't enough hours in the day to get the team together. But with multiple villains running around New York causing chaos, buildings getting totaled, and one Spider-Man not being enough to deal with a threat on his own, doesn't that sound like an Avengers-level threat to you? Captain America and the Winter Soldier is my favourite MCU solo movie. That's it. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Oh wait, this isn't a video of just me fanboying the Winter Soldier. Hang on. Much like Far From Home, the Winter Soldier was something of a team-up movie on its own, and created a template for mini Avengers team-ups, which worked so well for the MCU throughout phases 2 and 3. Who would have believed that out of the original Avengers, Captain America would have been the one who delivered the most profound and consistently great solo movies? In The Winter Soldier, Captain America is faced with the realisation that even a government agency can be compromised. Cap's arc involved the realisation that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been infiltrated by Hydra and that good versus evil has effectively been replaced by Shades of Grey. By confronting the ethical implications of sacrificing privacy for security, the movie has huge stakes without ever moving away from being what's at its core, a Captain America story. So Steve teams up with Black Widow and Falcon to uncover what lurks in the deep dark depths of S.H.I.E.L.D. and stop the equally jacked assassin known as the Winter Soldier from carrying out his deadly mission that threatens global security. The Russo brothers delivered a perfect example of what the MCU does at its best, shifting from being a superhero movie into a genre piece with superhero elements. Now I get it, the movie does a really good job of building tension between all the characters and the conspiracy being so deeply entrenched in S.H.I.E.L.D. that it seems impossible for Cap to trust, well, anyone. Except for Black Widow. Except for the guy you met five minutes ago, Falcon. And Maria Hill, who, you know, also works for S.H.I.E.L.D. D do you see where I'm going with this? The Winter Soldier is absolutely an Avengers-level threat. A jacked-up super soldier running around taking down governments alongside a plot which has seen S.H.I.E.L.D. infiltrated with the goal of taking out anyone who might threaten the regime? Call me nuts. Call me nuts. 
But if this isn't a time to call the guys who just sacrificed everything alongside you in New York, I'm not sure what is. Okay, strap in, folks. The Eternals had some grandiose ideas. And in Chloe Zhao, it had serious pedigree in the director's chair. Known for indie darlings, such as the acclaimed Songs My Brothers Taught Me, the movie looked to be taking the MCU into a whole new era. The movie brought together a team of their own, a race of immortal beings created by the omnipresent celestials who reunite on Earth after thousands of years apart to protect humanity from their nemeses, the Deviants. It looks set to deliver some transformational storytelling, moving the MCU into realms of auteur movie making. With a stellar cast including Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, Gemma Chan, and a freaking buff Kamal Nanjiani, the only major transformation we saw here were the before and after pitch of Kamal getting into shape to play a superhero. I mean, woof. However, being a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, they simply had to subvert the expectations. Along the journey, the Eternals had to confront their own complicated pasts, relationships, and ideologies while finding out that the true villain of the piece was global warming. I, I mean, uh, the, the overlords, the Celestials. Now, I don't want to rag on this movie too much, as at the time it came out, I had a lot of fun with it. It added a serious layer to the franchise, which I felt had been missing. And hell, it even confirmed the existence of Superman in the universe. Dad, that's Superman! Uh, I say that, however, the Deviants having power somewhat equal to that of the Eternals, and the broader existential threat of the Celestial, you know, cracking its way out of the Earth, do you not think someone like Nick Fury with his finger on the cosmic pulse might have noticed something going on? Would he not have seen it as a threat to all of humanity? I feel like this is ample reason to make the call. Avengers! Now I'm not going to make light of this one, as the real life passing of Chadwick Boseman truly is a loss to cinema. But I just don't get it. At the end of Endgame, everyone, and I mean everyone, was at Tony's funeral, including the Wakandans. So why didn't the Avengers assemble for the passing of the king? Now in reality, the restrictions of the pandemic likely had a lot to do with the characters not being present for one of the most moving moments in the MCU. Though the canonical reason seems to be that those remaining post-Endgame are scattered. Still, I feel if ever there was a reason to assemble, this was it. But what we want to know is, what do you think? Should Peter Parker have trusted his new friends in Far From Home? Was Dracov's accent so bad that the Avengers were all too incapacitated with laughter to join the fray? Let us know what you think in the comments below. We love it when you guys keep it civil. And while you're there, feel free to drop us a like, share, and subscribe. If you like what you're hearing, check out the website linked below, www.podcastassemble.com, where you can find our podcast, Podcast Assemble, and regular blog pieces, such as getting ChatGPT to definitively answer whether Cobb is dreaming at the end of Inception. Why not join us for that geek content? Thanks for popping by, guys. Tally ho! Thank you.